You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Yeah, sounds good. Voice sounds good. Okay, good. Leave it at that then. You got a good, you got a good voice uh, on the record, brother. That's good. It helps. That's good. <laughs> By uh, pronounce most of my R's, we're gonna have a successful podcast. That's okay if you leave them out. That's fine. I'm used <laughs> to it. Being up here in New England, we hear the people from Massachusetts all the time. <laughs> you got a box of car. Oh man! All right. Hey. Um... Hello, everyone. You're listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. And uh, this week, I'm very pleased to have uh, a, a great guest on, on the program, uh, Dave Respi, who's actually, uh, uh, we actually went to school together at the University of Rhode Island and have been able to reconnect uh, primarily over um, his, his art. Um, you know, he writes uh, some great photography, uh, does uh, drone of uh, uh, footage and uh, creates just these incredible um, art pieces that uh, that he'll uh, describe. Uh, Dave Varespi wanted to welcome you to the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. Thanks, Ken. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to be here. It's an honor when looking at the list of past attendees. Um, <laughs> I feel very honored to be among them. Well, yeah, thank you, and um, you know, thank you for your your, your great artwork. It's been a, a pleasure. I can speak, uh, you know, from my own personal experience of uh, uh, connecting with you over a passion of uh, both of ours. And you know, I knew you know I knew you in college, but one of the main questions I have that we kick off the program with has to do with what you were like when you were younger. What were you like as a young kid? Were you around art? Did you do art? What were you like? So as a young kid, I spent a lot of time outside. I was constantly outside. I think my parents kicked me out all the time. Uh, so I was out playing in the trees, running in the woods. We had a lot of land around us. So I was just always outside. And you know, nature played a huge part in my, my upbringing. And I was also a latchkey kid. So I, I would come home from school. My parents would have me call them and or they would call me and say, are you home? Yep. And then right outside, and I was gone for till dinner time. Uh, it's pretty much different than what we have today. But in the evenings and other times and on the weekends, I was drawing a lot. Um, Battlestar Galactica was huge back then, and we were always drawing the, the ships from that. We would draw these huge war scenes and just always sketching and drawing. And then that's carried through into high school where I started focusing a little bit more on art and took some different, looked at some different areas of art and took some pottery classes. And I was actually had done some throwing clay and some painting stuff and just a lot of more and more getting into the art every chance that I could in a more formal level at school. One of the sort of best artists, award for my high school when I was there, which was kind of cool. Um, it was something that I always really connected with and spent a lot of time drawing when I was a kid. Um, in high school, I ran cross country, indoor track, outdoor track. So that took up a lot of time, but that sort of 
got me into another area of art, which was like drawing figures and actually looking at it and starting to intently draw uh, like hands and feet and legs and musculature and really get into looking at the details of all that, which had had a big effect on some of the work that I had done at that point in time. And, and that was right always. at the same time, that was right at the same time you were running. So you kind of, you know, a bit of incorporation of like, you know, the body into what you were developing with your artwork. That, is that fair to say? Absolutely. So it was a, you know, Grey's Anatomy was a, a book that I had gotten turned on to in, in high school from one of my art teachers. And she was like, oh, check this out. And it was all about drawing the figure and, it was a medical reference book, but I was like, oh, those are really cool. So I started taking that as sort of a the lead on that and saying, okay, let's look at what I have to work with being my own body and sort of drawing my legs and feet and hands and sketching what the muscle muscles looked like and stuff. It was cool. It was definitely um, very exploratory in, in that respect. Now, you have... Um... You have a, a, a famous artist, uh, well-known artist in your family, uh, I believe, as your uncle. Um, can you talk about? Can you talk about maybe you know your relationship there or the type of art and um, who we're talking about? So my uncle was Alton Kelly. Um, he was a famous poster artist from the 1960s and 70s. Um, Rick Graham. I believe was one of his contemporaries, Wes Wilson. And he did a lot of work for the Grateful Dead and the Steve Miller band and journey, um, Fillmore, um, Avalon ballroom. So very big in the hate Ashbury era. Um, he was personal friends with all of the Grateful Dead. Um, and you know, he did amazing artwork. I mean, if you have a chance to look up any of the psychedelic posters from the sixties, you know, you're going to find his work, uh, mouse Kelly studios. Uh, he is actually in the rock and roll hall of fame, which is cool. So I want to do a road trip out there to check out that exhibit. Um, but he never really played a huge role in our lives back here. Cause he was in California. We were in Connecticut. Travel wasn't as easy back then, but, you know, apparently he was the black sheep of the family, sort of went off and did his own thing, did the whole art world and lived in, you know, San Francisco during the 60s. So drugs, sex and rock and roll were probably part of a big part of his life. And my dad was a Navy guy. So sort of the complete opposite end of the spectrum from what he had experienced. Sure. So, you know, when. I was going through high school and looking at, you know, what my next steps were and going to college and whatnot. You know, I looked heavily at the art schools and was definitely sort of directed away from that. And the whole, it's like that Geico commercial of, you know, you're going to school for art. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 So there was the question of, you know, why don't you go for a degree with something that you can, you can use and, you know, I, I landed in landscape architecture, which combined two of my favorite loves, which was the outdoors and art and design. So that's how I ended up at URI. 
And I actually have a minor in art from URI. And so that's how that played out in my family. And it was sort of a keeping me, you know, we don't want you to end up like your uncle. We want you to be successful. And but he was very successful in his art. Uh, we want you to have a career and take that route. Yeah. And I've, I've seen, I've seen the, I've seen the work. Um, it's, it's, it's just a style, you know, that, the, that I love it. I've always felt it's like kind of like a modern, you know, art nouveau with the posters and, um, just incredible, incredible pieces, fun, vibrant, uh, colorful oh, and, and, and just reflective of like the, the, the culture that I was there. I remember, you know, when, you know, back when you and I would be around the same, you know, same patch of earth that, you know, music, music was uh, pretty vital uh, for both of us. We both liked, um, you know, a lot of music and the kind of the culture that comes out of music, too. Um, oh, absolutely. We so a lot it, of time up at the living room in, in Providence. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's great. To, it's great to hear about that um, uh, connection. And, and we've, we, you know, talking about your art and some of the things you've been exposed to in your development, what, uh, what forms of art um, attract you primarily? And, and both as a consumer, you know, things that are really important to you as far as consuming experience in art and, uh, you know, the, the, the forms of art that you do that really, you know, you love to put your energy in. So what forms? You know, as far as art goes, I love live music. I'm always astounded at how these artists can get up there and put together a show with these instruments. And it just, I'm in awe of these people. It's, a, it's amazing how they can do that. So I always love live music. Um, as far as consuming other types of art, you know, I love photography. I really love Impressionist paintings. Um, surrealism is another one that I really enjoy and, you know, going to art galleries and just seeing new stuff, anything that sort of pushes the the boundaries and makes you think a little bit about who you are and where you are in the world definitely has an effect on me and is stuff that I'm drawn to. Um, I'm really, I'm not into the shock art. Uh, there were a few people at URI when we were there that were big into shock art and I was like, Okay, but you know, there's there's not a whole lot of craft to it. You're relying on the shock factor. I just I don't I'm not drawn to that. Right. I look, right. I have a lot more appreciation now that I've gotten more and more into photography over the years. And I took a lot of photography when I was at URI, a lot of time in the darkroom. But you know, looking back at like the work of Ansel Adams, and you know, I have a huge appreciation for for craft. And some of the work that these people are putting into it, I'm starting to get into astrophotography now a little bit and seeing the, the planning and the preparation and the time and the afterwork that these artists are putting into getting this stuff done. And when you look at Ansel Adams, you know, you see he's, he wants to take this picture that he has planned in his mind of the moon in a particular spot over a particular mountain range. And it's only going to be, at that location a few times a year and with the snow there. And so he's dragging up these large format cameras with glass plates up into the mountains during the winter. And if there's a cloud in front of the moon, well, that's it. We'll try again next year. So looking at the craft behind 
some of this work is amazing. And, you know, anything that shows that huge amount of craft and the time that people in, put into per, perfecting their craft, really, I'm drawn to. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but. Yeah, yeah, abs, 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 absolutely. Um, I really, and, like, you know what? Yeah. Other types of stuff I like is like graffiti art. Like if you look at like Windwood Walls and there's a couple other down in Miami and there's a couple sure. other places around the country when these artists doing graffiti art is just it's really cool because you think about the tools they're using and how they've mastered that tool and it's just totally cool and there's a lot of energy there it's very raw uh, reminds me of like the punk scene back in the early 90s and the 80s where you know there's music had a certain edge to it and it was very raw and it's very emotional it kind of taps into that same energy i just love it yeah i i, I enjoy that myself as uh as well and um you know i even think in magazines like um juxtapose magazine which kind of connects you know the art magazine connecting to some you know say street culture um graffiti um, we think about some of the stuff, you know, early hip hop, Beastie Boys, things of that nature um, has a good, good energy and good, good, um, a good, good vibe to it. And one of the things Absolutely. I wanted to, one of the things I wanted to mention for our, um, you know, non Rhode Island East Coast listeners, the reference that uh, both Dave and I will make to URI is the uh, University of Rhode Island. And we, we, it rolls off our tongue as URI and <laughs> just so, uh, <laughs> Uh, folks know what our our, uh, our reference point is. Um, so at URI, Dave, I took a I took a course, um, the philosophy of art, and you might remember I was studying philosophy and English literature, and yeah. uh, you know I studied that question and have you know tackled it, thought about it over time, but. I wanted to ask you um, what your idea of art is. What, according, you know, to your thinking and you know your theory or your thoughts on it, what is art? Yeah, you know, I've given this a fair amount of thought, and you know, what I was going through from high school into looking at colleges, I had to do a portfolio review and put together a portfolio for some of these art schools I was looking at, and. You know, I got a lot of comments back on some of the pieces that I had done early on. And the, the question was very, always very simple. It was, why? I'm like, uh, what do you mean, why? I'm, they're like, well, why did you create this piece of art? And I'm like, I don't know, because it looked cool. Being a <laughs> yeah. Typical high school kid. So, you know, that spurred a lot of thought into me. And it's like, okay, why am I creating art? Why did I create this piece and why does it look the way it did and why did I create it the way I did? Am I copying somebody else? Am I being authentic? Am I being inauthentic? So I think, you know, with a lot of what I've done since then, it's partially been experimental to a point of, you know, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? You know, in the dark room, we would be in there in the middle of the night. And we're like, oh, let's pour some boiling water into the set of negatives before while we're developing them and see what it does. So you had this certain experimental to it, but sure. there was always a certain intentionality about what you were doing. And I think with some of my earlier year pieces of art that were being critiqued was with the question of why was there wasn't necess necessarily an intentionality to it of, it was just throwing colors on a paper for no good reason. Um, 
and with modern art, everything is done. You look at these modern art pieces and they all have a certain degree of intentionality to them. And they're doing it for a reason. And a lot of times you have to examine an artist's entire body of work to figure out that intentionality because they may have gone down the rabbit hole and started over here somewhere. And it led them to a piece that is now hanging in, in a gallery. And there's a whole thought process that's evolved along the way, and it's been very intentional. It's not at all haphazard. And I think for something to be considered art, I think it needs to have a certain intentionality to it. Of It was done for a reason. Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, the, the topic, uh, as I've discussed it over the course of, you know, time on the podcast, it definitely has looks as far as the, let's say the, you know, the viewer and, and the artist and there's a relationship there. And I think there's a can be a lot of attention paid to, you know, what is the intent of it? Is the intent of it as a joke? Is it supposed to be high art? You know, is is there a mistake in it? You know, what is a mistake when you're creating something? And, you know, I believe it's uh, it's kind of like a ripe area to look at as far as what you mentioned. You know, what what is the in, intent behind it and what um, what they're trying to uh, to achieve? Uh, Dave, I, so I got the intent yeah, go behind it. It's not so much the intent behind it but it was done intentionally. So the gotcha. artist actually thought about doing it the way they're doing it, as opposed to just sort of like doing it. Gotcha. I guess there's a difference there. Maybe. No, okay. that's going. That, yeah, no, that's, that, that's helpful. I got a related question, which is a new and, and, and difficult question that, um, uh, that's come up. Of course, you know, we're in this, uh, you know, uh, crisis right now with um pandemic you know around novel coronavirus uh covid-19 and um you know in in preparing for uh, this episode i started to think around really a fundamental question about you know art and like when we produce art and and why because i think when you described uh, your experience was a common experience of being interested in art and having family members saying you know, what are you going to do with that? Right. What are you going to how are you going to you know, sustain yourself or you know, make a career out of that? But you were, you know, you're a creator. I think that fundamental question of what to do it with art and, and how to do it really comes to, to the fore, um, you know, right now in the times that we're in. My question related about why to create in the, the times that we're in is what is the role of art uh, in, in times that we're experiencing now? What is the role of art in a pandemic? That's a really interesting question because, it, you know, it's going to have multifold uses or its purpose is multifold because, you know, anybody who's in this situation, um, you know, we're facing the idea of borders being closed and quarantine regions and the kids being out of school for eight to 10 weeks or two weeks or who knows, there's a lot of uncertainty and that's going to breed a lot of uncertainty in your mind and s scary feelings. You know, art is going to be hugely important for those people going for the people going through it, meaning all of us to process those feelings, those emotions, to express it in a way 
that is tangible and can be understood and and whatnot. Um, I suspect to see a lot of dark art coming out during this period and stuff showing fear and uncertainty. Um, and then I think on another front, you know, as a societal front, the art is very important because a, it is going to capture and tap into that emotion and really become a record of the feelings of this time. But it's also going to be for the cartoonists and whatnot of the world and the dark humor artists to really bring some levity to the situation and some, some perspective and different viewpoints to it to keep everybody upbeat and provide some humor and some relief in all of this um, by, you know, the character artists or the, the cartoon artists, uh, New York times style to, to, or New York magazine style to really bring some different viewpoints to it. So I think the role of art in any crisis situation, whether it be a war or pandemic or whatnot, is to offer some different viewpoints, some, some levity and a way of processing what's going on. Yeah, and I had framed the question. I looked at two different ways of, of, of framing it, and I appreciate your answer. I mean, it, you know, for me, there's an assumption within the question, what is the role that, 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 there, is a, that there is a role? And um, I think underneath there, there might even be a question um, to explore. You know, is, is, there, is there a role? I think both you and I would agree that, that there is, as far as maybe the emotional— Absolutely the emotional components of it or processing or a reflection of the times. Um, but it, it is, I appreciate taking a stab at it. It's a challenge. It's a challenging one. And it feels, it, it, it feels, it feels new. Um, I know we share a, you know, a common thinking on it, that it is vital. And I think maybe even the question is whether it's, you know, even, even more vital now. I'm excited to see what comes out of all of this. Art-wise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I very, cool stuff coming out i i i agree i agree and it'll be um it'll be interesting uh to watch and it'll be interesting to see um as we go along um you know artists amongst many other groups you know in the economy are in a kind of tough spot right i mean they do perform many of them i'm thinking of musicians um in in many other types of forms that are more public in you know professional performance uh, with those being curtailed, I think the presentation of where you find those performances uh, is going to change as well. Uh, maybe some more things, you know, online or, you know, accessing a performance uh, that way. Um, we'll, we'll have to follow it. I, I've seen that both I, just recently that the Met, uh, Metropolitan Opera will be presenting their operas online to be able to watch and stream, which those are the ones that you would have to go to the theater if you actually did want to see the performance and you didn't see it live. So um, I'm just seeing a lot of different uh, ways in which, um, you know, the art that we enjoy uh, will be presented uh, nowadays. Yeah, I think it, it is interesting. Um, I know a lot of artists who are musicians and whatnot are definitely – feeling the pain right now with their shows being canceled, um, not being able to gather in groups of 250 in Connecticut, which, you know, that really, it's a lot of their shows are getting canceled because they just can't perform. 
um, which is sad. And it's going to put a lot of people in a very tough spot. Hey, Dave, um, if you could take one, you do different forms of art, um, as we discussed. If you took one form of art that you do, could you could you take us through your, you know, creative process as far as, you know, getting the material, creating the material, and saying that it's it's finished? Can you can you uh, guide us through that? So. You know, one thing that's interesting about me, and there's a little bit of a backstory, and if you want to, if you want to bear through it, you can. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I had gone through a huge slump in my art for for many years, sort of in business, doing business for myself. You know, you get in the grind, and it was a lot of paperwork and a lot of overhead and whatnot, um, and getting away from the art and the design. And then 2017. I broke my leg and was ended up being laid up for a couple weeks. Um, so you know, when I was laid up, I had my phone and my iPad with me and I said, okay, let's, let's see what these devices can do. They're hugely powerful. You know, men went to the moon with less computing power than I've got <laughs> my right, phone right, right now, which is really cool. So I started playing around with, you know, what, what capabilities do these devices have? because there's a bajillion different apps and whatnot, and you've got this sort of supercomputer in your hand. So I just started playing with that um, and using different apps and taking photos with it and importing photos from my PC or from my camera onto the phone and you know, using that as a way to, to edit stuff. So I do a lot of work on both my iPad and my phone. Um, and... You know, it's between a lot of the work that I do is photography based. So I will bring, I'll either take a picture with the phone, which sounds scary. Some people will cringe at that, but it works. Um, or I'll actually take photos um, with a, my big DSLR and then import them and start using them to edit on the phone. And just going through and looking at them and you know, manipulating those images to, to get to what I'm looking for. Um, and you know, the, the body of work that I've kind of been in now with this winter abstractions, um, there are a lot of black and whites and it was looking at the, the structure of branching of trees and how a lot of the trees have different feelings and different emotions to them when you look at them. Whereas like a, a hickory tree is going to have a very much different feeling uh, with the branching structure as opposed to a beech or an oak tree or a maple tree or whatnot. Uh, so those that comes into play and trying to seeing what sort of emotions those would evolve or evoke through you know the branching structure of there to see if the images to create different feelings to them. And a lot of it has experimented with this idea of paradoia which is where your mind wants to create something that's familiar out of a random data set. So if you look like at clouds in the sky, for instance, you'll see bunny rabbits and whatnot. Or if you look at smoke, a uh, picture of smoke, you might see a face. Or if you look at sort of a random pattern in tile, you might start picking up on different forms and features and faces or whatnot. 
that start to pop out. So if you take a look at some of the pieces of work that I've been doing in this winter abstraction series, it starts to, the images are mirrored and flipped and whatnot. And the, you start to pull out different images and your body, it's almost like a Rorschach test where your your mind will start putting together different pieces of the images at different scales and coming up with, faces and different pictures of stuff and images um so the longer you stare at it the more it, it sort of talks to you and you start to sort of process it and put something together as it comes out of it uh and i've just started printing these out whereas they've sort of existed in pixel format um and i've just started printing them out and printing them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger uh, to see what they look like and see how how far I can push it. And you call that series? You call it the winter abstraction? Yeah, most of the black and white ones you're see you're seeing coming through right now are what I'm calling the the winter abstraction series because um, I had to come up with a name. When I started Those... exhibiting some of these things, they're like, "Well, what is the name of it?" I'm like, "I don't know, winter abstraction." What What do you want to call it? Uh, but i do the same thing with in i do something very similar in the springtime where i'm focusing on and i don't know if i've shown you any of these pieces but there's some flowers coming from the world of landscape architecture um trees and flowers and whatnot are a big part of who i've been and the work that i've been doing for so many for over for like 30 years there are some flowers that have a very random very random flowering structure to them. Like if you look at like peonies, um, beautiful flowers, gorgeous flowers, all these different colors, they smell really good. Um, but the petals inside of it are sort of randomly arranged as opposed to like a daisy flower or a rose, which have very predictable geometry that falls in a very partic particular way. Um, so the, like the peonies don't have that. And it's very random. So photographing those and then taking the same process to it, you end up with some very cool stuff that's very sort of Georgia O'Keeffe-esque, um, where you end up with these sort of folds of color and soft pastels. And it's very, very similar to her work. And you're, you start to your mind starts to see images in it and evoke feelings and whatnot. Yeah. I, I've, uh, the, the, I'm, I'm, you know, I think the name is, is useful to attach to these and I'm glad that you pick, actually picked this, um, uh, this part of your work to go into uh, deeper because for me personally, I really wanted to hear more about your process on this. And I think they're just beautiful works. And I think it, as you had described what, happens to the viewer's mind of trying to piece together where it is or to look for patterns. Um, I, I, I think they're incredible pieces. I also, you know, I, I live in Oregon now, which is, you know, the land of trees, it seems to me. Yes. And in, in, in trees and branches themselves have emerged as being important for me in a way that, that I just never predicted, you know, I think I may have taken things for granted like many of us, but, um, 
I came into contact with the concepts, the Japanese concept of uh, forest uh, bathing, you know, just basically going into yeah. the forest and experiencing both the amount of time that you're there, um, the ear, the experience, and being transformed by that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, there's that experiential piece to it. And plus with, with um, the work that you do, I just find it fascinating to, to look for those uh, patterns and see those uh, patterns. Um, it, it's very complicated, but also, you know, it, it moves your mind to a very not just incredible place of trying to find the connection uh, in, in what you're what you're seeing. So there's a simplicity to it, but there's also a very intricate um, piece to your work. And I just um, want to mention the listeners to, you know, to take a look. We'll get into, you know, where to find your stuff, but um, really worth the time. They're very unique and, and beautiful pieces. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's kind of cool because the way the, the images are set up, they actually they draw your eye into it and you kind of get drawn into them a little bit, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I've really, when I'm out taking the pictures of the tree canopies that I used as the base images for these pieces of work, I get a lot of strange looks from people. And if you look through my phone, you'd be like, why does this guy have so many pictures of trees on his phone? <laughs> it's really bizarre. It's like, he's obsessed, but that's okay. That's where the good stuff comes from when you obsess on it. Um, but you know, I've, worked on you know taking these the portions of the trees and then trying to isolate the branching structure through photo manipulation and things like photoshop or lightroom and just taking out the sky on some of them and just focusing getting it down to a very simplistic black and white image um so that you can see that branching structure yeah and thanks thanks for your work in in, in doing that now i'm gonna thank you i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to throw um, the 100-mile-an-hour fastball at you right now and ask you, um, I'm going to ask you, why is there something rather than nothing? <laughs> this is what everybody struggles with. Um, you know, in, in physics, we're always taught that nature abhors a vacuum. And I think that's part of the answer is where there's a vacuum, I think, there's a need to fill it. And for me, there has to be something because as a creative person, if I'm not creating, I spiral down. And as long as I'm creating, I'm up. And so there has to be something. And if there's nothing, then I try and fill it with something. Um, I'm always doodling or drawing on the paper or whatnot. A sheet of blank paper doesn't stay blank in front of me for very long. And there, there's this need for people to express themselves and whether it's nervous energy or creative energy, or whatever you want to call it, it needs to come out and it needs to find a way into the world. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I, 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 I really appreciate your answer. And, um, I, I appreciate the, the variety of ways to, to approach this question. I, I tend to dip a little bit more, uh, recently, in uh, a point that you mentioned around, uh, you know, some of the science and in, in cosmology and in space, um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough one, but um, I, I really in, I really enjoy your thoughts on that. Hey, Dave, um, 
I want people to be able to connect uh, with with your work. I enjoy it so much. Um, and Thank you. yeah, be, before we, you know, uh, as as we wrap up here, can you can you help guide the listeners to either connecting with the the work that you do? Uh, where to find it, um, and and how to connect with you if that's uh, if that's applicable. Um, so how how could they can connect with uh, what you do? So there's a couple places that you can find me. Um, one, I have a website, davidvaresby.com, uh, and some of my artwork is on there, and, along with some of my sort of bill-paying photography work. And then there's facebook page that has got some of my david Veresby photography that has got some of my artwork on it as well uh instagram i'm on instagram at david underscore Veresby. i'm going to be expanding my instagram presence into a couple different realms uh, currently i have david Veresby designs and david Veresby. um david Veresby designs is where i'm starting to experiment in the world of pattern making which is kind of fun. Uh, so it's sort of an, an out branch of, or take off of some of the work artwork that I've been doing, uh, which has got a lot more colorful stuff and some fun patterns and cool stuff going on in it, um, which I add to periodically. Uh, and that's a lot of taking sort of, again, flowers and other things in nature and creating these repeating patterns that could be used in a variety of different ways. So those are probably the best ways to to reach out to me or to see what I'm doing. Um, you know, it's all sort of in the past six or eight months really started to explode a little bit. I've been adding a lot more online uh, so that people can see what I'm doing and taking the initiative to get out there and put some more of the stuff into the world. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, and I encourage the listeners to to take a look uh, at these works and uh, and and I love the the music stuff that you do as well. The concert uh, photography. There's some really special uh, images uh, there. And again, for any music lovers, I think um, you might you might really like to 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 see those. I just wanted to say, Dave, it's been a real pleasure to be able to connect uh, with you um, after after you know quite some time not having a, a chance to chat. Oh, I think, there's, I, I think there's something <laughs> I think there's just something special uh, about a way to to connect, um, you know, after this time and, and to do it in a way, you know, where uh, just a, a great way of being able to talk about art and uh, to learn about it, more about each other through through art and through your work. Um, but uh, yes, everybody, uh, Dave Varespi um, here on something rather than nothing. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to talk with you dave and um really appreciate you spending the time with us thanks a lot ken i'm i'm really excited to be on here i was definitely honored to be invited and um looking forward to putting more work out so that you guys can enjoy it thank you brother and have a have a great day you too You are listening to something rather than nothing.